Thank you, Matt. Good morning, everybody. Are we having a good day so far? Beautiful weather. It's not raining. Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 2, the Gospel of John chapter 2. We'll pick it up right where we left off in a minute. Anybody tell me what R.C. Gipp stands for? Somebody actually had it over here. Let's check it out. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Say it with me. Let's be fools for Christ. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. That's okay. Yeah, we can get, you know, you guys know I, I'd like you to get involved and, and uh, participate because uh, it makes my job a little bit easier. Um, so when I say something, you can shout out amen. Or if I say something, what I used to say? But I said something before that. Anyways, I forget. My memory is not what it used to be. But I can't remember what it used to be, so it's, uh, it's a little bit of a problem. But I do remember last week that we talked about the wedding at Cana. And that was Jesus' first miraculous sign. And his, his, his first miracle, it was a conversion. He converted water into wine. But, but it's so interesting, and I love, I love the pictures that are there. You know, Jesus was invited to the wedding. He was invited to be a part of what they were doing, and something so very important as a marriage, as a wedding. And, and you know, we need him, and we need to invite him in. We need to invite him into our lives and our marriages and our homes. We need him. Mary, you know saw that there was a problem, well, what did she do? What did she say? She said, do whatever he tells you. He, she brought the problem first. She brought the problem where? Jesus. To Jesus. She brought the problem to Jesus. She was smart enough to do that. And, and, and then Jesus, you know, had some kind of cryptic answers, but it was really, he was still kind of in his mind and heart. He was always set on the cross. And we're going to see even today and what happens today his heart and mind are always set on the cross because that's where the answers are, at the cross. So, but, but, you know, she says, do whatever he tells you. And he gives them, you know, instructions. He wants them to use whatever is right at hand. And then he uses them and does this miraculous work. And I think when we, when we cooperate with him and we are willing to just be involved with what he's doing, he will do something incredible. I believe that. I've seen that. It says that he showed his glory, revealed his glory there in the last uh, part of verse 11. And his disciples put their faith in him. I mean, isn't that what, what it's all about, putting our faith in him? You know, trusting in him. That's what, you know, I was talking about, you know, but I trust. It's really about trusting in him. It's about, it's about putting our trust in him. Uh, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart is what Proverbs 3, verse 5 says. So, moving on, going to the next section here. You can say it might be a difficult section in some ways, but I, I really don't think it is personally. But, but let me ask you a, a, a question first. Uh, when you left your house today, what kind of condition was it in? Oh, some of you are laughing. I don't like the sound of that. Was it like this? No. 
Oh, man. I took that at my house last night. As you can see, you know, the Cheerios, that's fine right there. Hershey's right here. Hershey's, that's it. So then I went to the kitchen, and I took a picture in the kitchen. <laughs> I love it. Don't you love it? There's everything in there. Everything you would ever need is there. Clear wrap. There's like a bell ringer right there. Like, what would you do with that? Would you call for the servants to come? Ding, you know. I mean, I don't know why we have all this stuff at our house. You know, it's kind of funny, but uh, my basement office looks like this. <laughs> Not quite as bad as this, but I have a lot of junk down there. And they were joking about yard sales, and that's the problem. You see, I, I buy this stuff. Ah, I need this, or I can sell this. See, because Chapman, the name Chapman means like uh, somebody who, who, you know, buys and sells. It actually means that. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's why I'm like that. So, so I got all this junk down there, and it's good junk, though. I mean, yesterday I was at a yard sale. And I bought, this, I bought this cross. I saw the box cross, right? You know, the pen company. And I said, uh, it looked a little bit beat up, and I opened it up and looked at it. But... It was only 50 cents. So how could I say no? So I took it home and I thought, uh, I didn't know. Then I, looked, I took my glasses off to look real close and it said, sterling silver. I said, oh. And then I opened it up and the, the nib says 14 carat. And I go, oh, maybe this is worth something. So I'm going to take bids on that right now. <laughs> But the thing is, I got, I got all kinds of stuff like that that, you know, I could sell. But I have, I have trouble getting to the selling part. You see, I, I'm good at the buying part, you know, and that's kind of how it is. And then we end up with all this stuff, like, all cluttered around our lives. Oh, God help us, right? There's this gal we met at, uh, at a estate sale. And uh, she said what she does now, she, she does a lot of this now. She goes to help the, the people have the problem with the hoarding. Now, they're not planning on selling anything. They're, that's not their goal, right? So I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> okay, I see you back there. Laser. So, so... But she says that's what she does, and she goes to these people's houses and just tries to help them because there's something wrong, right? And, and she's, that's what she does, and it's kind of incredible. It's kind of a, it's, I think it's a ministry. She, I don't know if she's a believer or not, but, but uh, so I need ministry. But today, what I want to talk about is, is the fact that Jesus cleans house. You know, 
you know, some of you say, well, you know, I don't, I don't clean house. It's, you know, someone else's job. You know, I, I pay somebody to do that or whatever. My, you know, my wife does it or my husband does it or whatever. You know, but sometimes Jesus has to come in and clean house. And that's what we're going to look at today. And I think, I think in his mind, this is how it looked. You say, well, it wasn't where he lived, but it was, he says it was his father's house. It's my father's house. So he had some responsibility. He had some connection, obviously, because it was his father's house. And so he was going to clean house. When you have a house that looks like this, what does it take? What does it take to, to make a change? It takes a lot of things, and, and some of you said bomb, and it's, that's a kind of a serious kind of like a explosion, kind of like a power thing that had to happen, right, that has to happen. But it takes a lot of things. It takes time, right? You've got to take the time. You've got to make an effort. You've got to be determined that I'm going to do something like this, and then you have to almost be ruthless. I think that's where, you know, we have trouble, and that's that's where Jesus came in. He said, listen, this has to be done, and I'm going to do it. And, and he, just, he just went in and did what needed to be done. And so people, some people might misunderstand and say, well, Jesus, you know, you're supposed to be all nice and gentle and meek and Jesus meek and mild. And then you come in and, like, do this kind of thing. But sometimes that's what he needs to do. And sometimes in situations like this, that's what needs to happen, right? You have to take serious action, and that's kind of what happens here today. So that's why I said I don't have a problem with it because I can kind of understand what, you know, he's trying to do here. So that's what we're going to look at today. So let's start in verse 12. After this, he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Interesting, you know, they were all together at the wedding, right? And now they end up going back to Capernaum. And the Bible also says that that was kind of like his home base, Capernaum, uh, Jesus. You can read about that. But he went down there, and his mother is there, his brothers and his disciples are there. And, and I kind of wonder about this, you know, it mentions his disciples, his followers, but it mentions his mother and brothers kind of separately. So they, were they not disciples yet? I don't think they were. But they were kind of hanging out. They were kind of being with him and stuff like that. I don't think they were disciples at that point. Would they be disciples one day? Yes, they would. We, we see that later. But later, one of the reasons I say it, later in John chapter 7, which you know, is five chapters away from here, it says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Even his own brothers, they grew up with him and they did not believe in him. That's, that might be why, because like, hey man, that's my brother. Like, what do you mean worship him, follow him? It's my brother. Until they finally realized who he really, really was. In fact, at one point, they thought he was insane, right? There was all kinds of stuff happening. There was a big crowd in, in a house, it says in Mark chapter 3. It says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Jesus, out of his mind. Anyways, let's move on. Verse 13, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, the Jewish Passover was, was an annual feast that they had uh, 
at a specific time of the year, and it remembered, anybody remember what the Passover remembered? Okay, some of you have it. The Passover commemorated when Israel was delivered, the people of Israel were delivered from the nation of Egypt, right? They were in, they were in Egypt, uh, you know, earlier Joseph had been, you know, like number two and then uh, in command there and things were going well. But then it, it got to be where the Israelites became in bondage, right, to Egypt. And, and uh, you know, they didn't, it was bad. But God worked miraculous things uh, to set them free from the land of Egypt and they would be able to go back home. And you can read about that in the book of Exodus chapter 12. But Jesus went up, and so they would, they would celebrate. This is one of the feasts that they would celebrate. There were three that, that, that uh, they were almost required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate every year. And this is one of them. And you remember when Jesus was young, it said that his parents, every year, his parents would go. His whole family would go. And that's where you read the story where Jesus, you know, kind of wandered off, right? And they wondered, where is that boy, that boy of ours, you know? And they found him, you know, back speaking to the, uh, the teachers and the rabbis and all that. Anyways, Jesus, you know, it says he went up to Jerusalem. And, and just a little side note here is it, it's always, when you read about Jerusalem, it's always going up to Jerusalem. Why is that? Well, first of all, there's a spiritual meaning. and It's always up, no matter where you are. It's like all roads lead to Rome kind of a concept. But it's always up. When, no matter where you are, you go to Jerusalem, you're going up. Because it's the city of God, right? But it's also, you know, built on hills. It's also, uh, you know, a hilly area. So you're kind of going up when you go there. If you know, if you've been there before, some of you have, you're driving and it's, a, it's hilly and you're kind of going up and you're going up into Jerusalem. So, so, so they went up and Jesus went up. And what did he find when he got there? Verse 14, in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. He found this stuff going on, you know. Now, these were all things that were needed. At the temple, during these times of, of festivals, feasts, they, you know, there were sacrifices that were made. And these were the animals. There were, there were offerings that were made, certain coins that we, would be made. So these were in things that were needed, but they were doing it right inside the temple courts. They were doing it where they should not have been doing it. And not only that is, is that they were taking advantage of people. They were gouging. They were price gouging, you see. Perhaps you came from a long way and you couldn't bring, you know, an animal to offer. Or you brought an animal that really wasn't acceptable because there were certain standards for sacrifice. And so, you know, you would need to buy it when you got there. When you made an offering of, uh, of a, you know, like a temple tax sort of thing, it had to be the right kind of coin, okay, so that, so that it could be used. So these things were, were important, but, but to do this kind of thing right in the temple, in the very house of God, in, the, in his father's house, Jesus got very upset. He got very 
upset. Look at verse 15. Look what he does. So he made a whip out of cords. And he drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle, and he scattered the coins of the money changers, and he overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Well, that's pretty strong, isn't it? That's pretty strong stuff that Jesus is doing here. Pretty serious stuff. Now, when you look at this, you know, Jesus cleansing the temple here, when you read it, the other three Gospels also talk about a cleansing of the temple, but it's at the end of Jesus' life. All three talk about that particular occurrence. And some say, well, is John just mentioning that one here earlier? No, I believe there were two actual occurrences that, that happened. So it's interesting when you think about it like that. At the very beginning, he has to go in and clean house. At the very end, he has to go in and clean house as well. It's like it has to be done periodically. But this is Jesus now the one who was, was just recently at this wedding, this, you know, joyous occasion where he, you know, he helps out, he does a miraculous work, he turns the water into wine, he does this incredible thing, and sure, it was a very happy time. He goes from that now to this a few days later. That's serious, huh? But he's talking about, he's talking about the church, isn't he? Well, they didn't call it church. It was the temple. It was where the people of God worshipped. But it, it, it's the church for us today. And, and, and he's, he's saying this isn't a commercial enterprise. If, if, that's, all, if that's all it is about, then, then something's wrong here. The heart, our hearts are in the wrong place, totally. One man said this, In all ages, God has warned his people against using religious services as a means of getting rich. In all ages. Back here, Jesus shows us that. John Corson said that they were fleecing the flock instead of feeding the flock. Fleecing the flock. Now, you know, I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, there are some places, there are churches all over our country that that's all that it's about is the money, the offerings, it's all about that. It's, you know, we need to take another offering. We need to do this. We need to, you know, you need to, you know, give. Why? So that I can have the, you know, huge this and huge that. They don't say that, of course, but that's what's happening. It's sad. It's, like I said, it's embarrassing. It's not supposed to be that way. And Jesus here shows us that, doesn't he? He shows us that. Is money important? Yeah, we all have to deal with it. You know, there are needs, there are legitimate needs. There are stuff that we have to take care of. We pray about that, but we don't make a huge issue out of it. Now, other churches pass an offering, and that's okay. As long as they don't, you know, have the other guy, you know, or, or he has the, the offering basket in one hand and the stick in the other, and he's like hitting you. If you don't put anything in it, you know, like that. You know, there are churches that do that, Calvary chapels that pass around, you know, uh, whatever. That's okay. I don't care. 
But that's not what it's all about. That's not the focus. So I think I'd like to take an offering right about now. You know, Paul, Paul the Apostle, I'm going to put this on the screen for you. Paul the Apostle wrote these words. He says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. We don't do this for money. If we're doing it for money, something is wrong. Later, Two chapters later, he says in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, we don't handle the word of God deceitfully. The word of God for profit. We don't peddle the word of God for profit. That's scary, isn't it? It's scary. But it's happening. You know, so Jesus, he, he cleaned house, and sometimes, sometimes that's necessary, right? Sometimes he has to do Things like this. Look at verse 17. Look at his disciples' response. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So his disciples now, they remembered what? Where did they hear that? From the scripture, right? They remembered what the scripture said. And he's quoting from, you can look in your margin, Psalm 69. They remembered what the scripture said. So that's their response. Like, wow, this kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because it was prophesied and, and, and the prophecies of the scripture will all come to pass. They will all be fulfilled. Every purpose of God will be fulfilled eventually. So they remembered that. That's their response. Now, now look at the response of the Jews. And when it says the Jews in verse 18, speaking of like the religious leaders the establishment, it says, Then the Jews, they demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? That's a pretty different response from the disciples, isn't it? They would say, Wow, yeah. The Bible said he was going to have zeal for his house. Their response is, Who do you think you are? It, they demanded of him, and like, right there, we need to stop right there. They demanded of Jesus? Wow. Do you and I think we can demand something from him? Whoa. What happens when we do that? That's where the bomb goes off. We're going to have to clean something up here. You know, what miraculous sign can you do this to prove to us that you have the authority to do all these things that you're doing here? Who do you think you are? That's what they're saying to Jesus. And the question that we have to ask is, does Jesus have the authority to do that? Again, we go back to John chapter 1, that, that whole prologue, those first verses there. We, we see that Jesus is not just a man, he is God the Son, that he came, John 1.14. He came and he took flesh, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, knowing who he is. That is what changes everything. Does he have the authority to do this? Yes, he does. You have to be clear about that. Yes, he does have the authority to do this. He has the right to do this. You might wonder, well, is it out of character? Well, when you study the whole picture, the big picture of who God is, it's not out of character. 
There are times when he, knew he needs to do what he needs to do. And as I said earlier, it's his house, right? It's his house. He has every right to go in there and say, you know, what are you doing in my house? Like if, if, I, if I went home and there were some people in my house and they were, you know, uh, doing some kind of bad stuff or stuff that doesn't belong in the house, I would say, what are you doing? Get out of here, right? I hope I wouldn't just say, oh, that's nice. Can I help? No, I would freak out. I would say, get out of here. This is not the place. I have to, I have to wonder and I have to think about this. And it, to, be, to be a true, you know, Bible applying student, Inductive Bible study means you study it. What does it say? You interpret it. What does it mean? And then you apply it. That's the inductive Bible study method. You observation, interpretation, and application. So to, to apply this, we can say, we, we have to apply it to ourselves. We say, well, yeah, those bad people over there. It's always about those guys over there. What about me? But let's start right here, right? Whose church is this? Not my church, is it? It's his church. He paid for it. I, I didn't pay for it. Oh, we all gave our offerings and we, we saved money and we did a lot of things that we needed to do, but, but we gave it all to him. We gave that money to him. So the money was his. So therefore, the church is his. This building is his. So I wondered what I wonder what would Jesus see, see if he came in here? Would he be pleased? Would he be okay? We have to we have to ask those questions. I think the problem that happens in a lot of these places that I was referring to earlier is that they never ask those questions. Would Jesus be okay coming in here and we're hammering these people for money? I don't think so. So would he be happy here? I hope so. I hope so. Really? You know, does he, would he like the color of the carpet? I don't know. I think he gives us freedom to do certain things, right? And by the way, the, the youth group carpet, you know, the, the guy's coming today to measure for the carpet, right? So, so we have to... We have to, you know, be involved in it to see what he's going to do, see what God's going to do. But, but we have to say, will he be pleased with this? Or, or are there certain things that need to be cleared out? I mean, we shouldn't think, we shouldn't think that, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's us. <laughs> of course it's okay. It's us, right? That's a little presumptuous, isn't it? So to, to be realistic, is, is it all clear and good and would he be pleased? And, and, then, and then, so that's here, right? But then we have to make the hard jump, right, from, from here at, at our church to, to where? Home. home, right. Our own homes and then our own hearts, right? 
Because our homes are, should be a place where he is happy to be. I, I had a quote like that last week. A, a place where he would be happy to be. Our lives, though, aren't we? The Bible says that we, you and I, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? It says that we are not our own. We are what? Bought with a price. So we belong to him. And so he has every right. He has all the authority to come and say, listen. The stuff that you've got at your house, the stuff that you've got inside of you, we got to get some of that out. Some of that, that's just, that's just not good. We don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that. And John Corson said, you know, like these guys were in the temple and they were inside the temple and they were ripping people off, right? That's what they were doing. He says, are there things inside of us that are that need to get that we need to get rid of that are ripping us off. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Certain uh, you know certain bad things that we're doing that are ripping us off. We need to get rid of them. So they said, "Who do you think you are?" What was his answer? Jesus like. He always answers kind of differently than what you would expect. He, he, he could have said, listen, he could have like just zapped them, you know, and said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm God in your history. Right? He could have did that. Could have done that. Is that proper English? Thank you, Barbara. But what did he say? Look at verse 19. Jesus answered them. He had an answer. He said, destroy this temple. And I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was what? His body. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. To prove his authority for, for, to, to them and to anybody who would ask, like, do you, what, you know, what gives you the authority? What gives you the right where does he point? The cross and the resurrection. Right? The cross and the resurrection. To prove his authority, how do, you know, why can we trust him? Why? Because he came and he, did, he, he came from heaven, he died, he gave his life, but he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead. Now, when you think about this, if you, if you read through the Gospels, which reminds me, uh, I, I, I started out with this challenge, and I've, I have, honestly, I've forgotten about it for the last number of weeks. But somebody at the door said to me, I'm all the way in John chapter 10. I think he was trying to tell me I better speed up. <laughs> he didn't say that, though. But it reminded me about the challenge that, you know, that you and I, hey, let's read this book together. So we're in John chapter 2. We're, we're going to finish up chapter 2. So for next week, read the beginning of John chapter 3. talks about being born again. What does that mean? Okay, that's a challenge. Can you, can you get into that? Can you get on board with that? It's God's Word. So this idea, you know, about that Jesus said, he said these words. This was his answer, right? Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. You know, they brought that up again. Two times they brought it up again. 
They brought it up when they were accusing him, trying to find, it says they were trying to find reasons to get rid of this guy, Jesus, because they did not like what he was doing. And again, it's the Jewish religious establishment. They wanted to get rid of him, and, they, and, and, and so they brought, you know, they were trying to find ways to accuse him, so they found someone who would like say, well, you know, he said that he was going to destroy the temple. In other words, he was going to like blow up the temple. And so they said, well, that's, you know, something. But he wasn't really talking about that either. But then, can anybody remember the last time he was brought up? When he was actually on the cross. He said, you know, like, you know, they're mocking and different people are saying different things. You know, hey, what about, you know, you said you could, you know, destroy the temple. Okay, oh, maybe it is your body, but look, you're dying now. You're not, what are you going to do? Well, he was going to show them what he would do, and he shows us what he did. He was crucified for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day he rose. He conquered death. He conquered death, and that's why this is my favorite picture right here. It's empty. Look at verse 22. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. And then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. That's a powerful verse. They recalled what he had said. And, and John tells us later that, you know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance things that, you know, that Jesus has spoken to us. So we have the, the help of the Holy Spirit. But they recalled and they recalled the scripture. They recalled what Jesus had said. That's incredible. So then, then they believed. They had more faith. Verse 23. Let's wrap this up. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing. They believed in his name. Many saw. That's great, right? They saw what he was doing. They believed in his name. That's awesome. Verse 24, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. And he did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. See, that's kind of interesting. All these people, it says they're believing in him, and, and when it, it says he believed, they believed in his name, it means in him, because a name would kind of symbolize everything that a person was. But verse 24 is, but Jesus, but Jesus wouldn't entrust himself to them. You know, interesting thing, you can go back and find this in your blue letter Bible, that word where it says, would not entrust himself to them. The word is believe. It's the same word used in verse 23 where it says that they believed in his name. But Jesus would not, it says they believed in him, in his name, but Jesus would not believe in them. You look it up. You know, be one of those Bereans that you know, check it out and see what if I'm saying is true. They did that with Paul. They went back to the scripture to see if it's really, that's what really uh, the scripture says. Jesus doesn't believe in us. That's kind of that's like one of the worldly things, you know. We've we got to believe in ourselves. 
We don't need to believe in ourselves. We need to believe in Jesus. That's where we, we need to. We need to entrust ourselves to him. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't give to us. He gives to us incredibly abundantly. Ephesians chapter uh, 3 says that, you know, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Is it chapter 3? Yep. I think so. But I think, I think, and that's not that important what I think, of course, but what I think is that it gets back to the cross again here in verse 24 and 25. He knows what's in us. That's why he's going to the cross. That's why he's dying, because he knows that we are sinful and we have no hope and we have no help. Now, it says here he knew, he knew what was in a man, and I also kind of want to, want to say that it, it, it might also uh, you know, apply to the fact that he periodically needs to come and clean house. He knows what's in us, and he knows what needs to be cleaned out. As I said, we are his. We, we belong to him. He bought us with a price. He gave his very life. That gives, us him, that gives him the right and the authority to do that. But he knows all about you. He knows all about me. He knows what I think. He knows where I go. He knows what I do. Maybe he needs to clean house a little bit. I don't know. I think it's probably always true, as I was saying earlier. But, you know, but I'm okay. No, there's probably always stuff that needs to get cleaned out, right? Even if you have the most fastidious house. That's a lot, I like that word. I guess we got to apply it, right? Even if you have the most clean house of all, there's probably still some dirt somewhere, right? Up on top of that cabinet up there. Somewhere there's going to, you get to white glove test, you go do it. That doesn't mean that we need to, you know, examine ourselves to the point where, you know, we, we drive ourselves insane. Because for some of us, it's a very short trip. But I think just to have an attitude, you know, search me, O God, like David said in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know me. Try me. Test my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Being willing for him to like just, just God, I, I'm yours, you know. Do whatever you want to do. Amen? Amen? That's all I got. Okay? Let's, let's pray together, and then we'll take that offering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Father, thank you that we can have fun, but also thank you that it's very serious that, that you are the Lord. You're the Lord of heaven. You're the Lord of earth. You're the Lord of the church. It's your church. You are the Lord of our lives, our homes, and... You have every right, you have all the authority to do anything that you want to do. So, Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you today and say, God, have at it. It's hard to say that maybe, but just have at it. Just do what you need to do. Here in our church, Lord, do what you need to do. 
here with us in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives. Do what you need to do, God. Cleanse us that we might be more like you. Purify us. Father, we offer ourselves to you, Lord. Also, give an opportunity, as I feel it's important to do, to give an opportunity to any who, who have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior. Today, you can do that. You can pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I, I'm lost. I have no hope. So I, I ask you, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, and, and do what you need to do. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Because that's what you came to do. That's what was in your heart from the very, very beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?